Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $25 per room. Minimums apply. Search Zero Res carpet cleaning online to schedule your appointment or call them at 801-288-9376. DJ PK and Matt Harpering joining us now. You see him on the Jazz TV broadcast. Matt, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, question of the morning. The Jazz, right. a really good team, or a legit championship contender? And if they are a championship contender, how many, well, regardless of whether you think they are or not, how many championship contenders are there? How long is the list? What do you think? Uh, it, well, yeah, in my opinion, um, I think the Jazz are contenders. Um, I don't think there's a lot on that list. Um, but what reason, I'm going to throw this back to you, is there a reason why you wouldn't? based on the, the information that we have so far in the first, was it, 21 games. I mean, they beat a lot of good teams. Yeah, they've had some tough losses. But the way they play uh, with the three-point shot and the shooting they can have, as well as the defense, uh, pretty good and pretty good information and data to say that, they, yeah, they, they can beat anyone in this league, in my opinion, um, by doing those, those two things right there. I mean, when you're top five offense and top five defense, you're going to give yourself a chance. I guess since you throw it out there, and I agree with you, but since you asked the question, I have to answer it, that right. the league is based on some superstars, and the superstars are the ones that usually win the title. And, you know, Mitchell, I believe, is an emerging superstar, but at the same time, he doesn't fit the pro- prototype, meaning he's a little on the short side. If he's six 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 seven a la LeBron and Kawhi Leonard or whoever else you want to put in there. Kevin Durant, I guess you could put him in that category also, that if your leader is that small, that it's hard to do. That would be one of my responses. Yeah, I don't know if I believe wholeheartedly in that. You know, I go back with the data and the numbers. I mean, Diamond's putting up great numbers, right? Now, the one thing I'll give you, it's unproven because they have not proven it in a – you know, let's say a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals where, you know, let's, let's face it, that's where superstars are made. Um, you know, what else does Donovan need to do uh, really to, to prove it? He's only 24. I mean, he's, he's a young player. He's getting better. Um, Gobert is a superstar in his own right on the defensive end. Um, but a lot of times, you know, a depth of a team, the way they play, uh, I, I think changes how you view Utah, right? And, and yeah, you say, well, they don't have a, a Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, but you know, collectively, they're they're pretty good. And so when you say, you know, heading into the playoffs, would you rather nine deep or would you rather two deep uh, with some some role players? Um, that's going to be interesting this year because you're right. I, I would say in a game, especially in the late playoff game, in the last two minutes, um, that superstar is a superstar because he can make plays. He can, he can make shots, and you're going to have to have that for sure. But I think Donovan's proven that over time. But if you put him in the right situation, he's pretty darn good too. I guess when uh, when I hear people say the Jazz aren't a championship contender, I think they probably fall into a few groups. Um, I think uh, I, I think they are. I think there's uh, clearly three to five teams that you could label championship contenders. But I think if people exclude the Jazz from their group, then there's a couple groups they fall into. One, uh, they don't watch much Jazz basketball. They live on the other side of the country. and like, of course not those guys. Uh, I think there's another group that says, it's the Lakers. Everybody else, else is kidding themselves. The Lakers are going to do this. 
I think there's a group of people that believe that. Uh, they think the Lakers are going back-to-back, and that's it. I think there's another group of people that says, well, the Lakers are clearly the favorite, but if they, they have two guys to count on, and if they have an injury to either one of them, then the pool of potential champions widens to include the Clippers and whoever comes out of the East. We've seen that. If you come out of the East and the whoever the best team is in the West has an injury, then you're set up. Certainly LeBron's capitalized on that, um, and so did Kawhi Leonard when he was in Toronto. Uh, but they don't widen it to include the the Jazz or the Nuggets. Uh, I think the other thing the Jazz have going against them is they don't have a lot of playoff experience. Teams that win it have usually uh, gone along a path like the Nuggets, where, okay, they're in the second round, they lose in a Game 7. The next year they're in a conference final. Okay, they're, they're kind of building up to it. They're, there's not a lot of deep playoff experience on this Jazz team, and I think that's another, probably another group would dismiss the Jazz for that. Well, agreed. I mean, the experience is, is definitely an issue. Um, but I, I would argue that, you know, if, if an injury happened to the Jazz, if Gobert goes down, uh, that diminishes their contending um, influences right away, right? I mean, it, that's every team. I, I think if an injury happens to any of the top 10 teams, uh, that dramatically affects whether they're going to be able to produce, you know, late in the playoffs. Um, I don't think the Jazz are immune to that by any means, even though they're, they're deep. Um, but on the other side, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, LeBron and AD and the Lakers, yeah, they are favorites. They're a really good team. Uh, they won it last year. So why would you not put them on the top? You're supposed to. Um, and uh, do they have a better team than the Jazz? I don't know. They haven't played yet. But I, I think they, they definitely have the nod. Um, matchups become the issue in the playoffs, right? And, and how do the teams match up with each other? And you're going to see that throughout, I think, as we always have seen in the playoffs, where – you know, Lakers might have a better team, but there might be a matchup issue that they just don't play well against. And, you know, you, you never know what happens through, you know, one through eight in the seating. And, you know, to me, the, the playoffs becomes who do the Jazz match up best against uh, rather than who is the better team overall. I think, collectively speaking, the NBA has the best set of athletes of any of the sports in the world. And with these six six guys who can run, jump, and do all these incredible things. But my thought for you, the way the game is now, as far as the premium on shooting, particularly from behind the line, how much do you value that raw, pure athleticism versus the ability to shoot? The Jazz may not have that raw athletic ability, one through eight or nine, but they've got set six, seven, eight guys who can shoot. And they also have a brilliant coach, right? So you have a great coach that puts their players in, in positions to succeed and play to their advantage. Uh, that certainly helps. Um, yeah, athleticism is great, but you got to have both. I mean, I've seen a lot of athletes come and go that couldn't shoot, and they're, they're in and out of the NBA within a year uh, or two years. Um, athleticism will, will, will certainly put you on the map, but it won't, it's not, it won't sustain you in the NBA. you got to have a skill set. And, you know, shooting right now, it is tough. If you can't shoot that three, I mean, you know, look at Zion. Zion's a, one of the best athletes we've seen in a, in a generation. And I think he's made one three, and that was against the Jazz, or, you know, maybe a couple. But, I mean, he's going to have to develop that if he's going to become the star that everyone thinks he's going to become. Yeah, athleticism, athleticism gets you to the table. Uh, but then you got to produce. I mean, LeBron James right now, what's remarkable about him, he's becoming a better shooter. Um, and his athleticism is still really good, not to where it was 10 years ago, but his shooting has gotten a lot better. So he's, he's kind of transitioned more to a better standstill shooter, a better 
a three-point shooter. He's kind of transitioned his game to where uh, where it was prior. You know, we saw that with Jason Kidd later in his career. Uh, eventually, these five men, you know, and Gobert's going to be different, and that's the, the rebuke I always get. Well, what about Gobert? He's not going to be able to shoot threes. No, but there's only a one Gobert out there. He's, he's the best defensive center in the NBA. Um, if he wasn't, there would be an issue there and because that's the way teams are going. You look at Joel Embiid with the Sixers. He's a three-point shooter. Now, the argument there is would you rather him take a three or would you rather him post up if you're the opposing team um, because he is so gifted down low on the box. Uh, Jokic, the Jazz just saw him the other night. I mean, what a phenomenal example of where the NBA is going and what players they're looking for. Um, you know, tall kids, six seven and higher, six six and higher that can shoot and spread the court, um, that have a skill set. You know, you're going to be looked at many, many times if you got it. Matt Harper and join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We were talking about Royce O'Neal. Uh, he's shooting 40, almost 47% from three. It really is remarkable. He's also only taken five shots a game and only four three-pointers. Now, there is that whole thing of diminishing returns. Maybe he's shooting 47% because he's being really selective. But his role has been expanding here for years. Do you see a bigger role for him going forward? Is this a guy who should be looking at taking six or eight threes a game the way Bogey Mitchell and Clarkson and Conley do? Uh, in my opinion, uh, I think it's within the offense. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy like Bogey where he's going to create a shot, you're going to give him the ball, and he's going to handle the pick and roll. I think scout and reports say, you know, who, if anyone, if we had to leave someone open, who is it going to be? And I think they, they kind of choose Royce more than not, and he gets the benefit of getting some open shots. On the other side of that, he's becoming a, a tremendous three-point shooter, and that's his role. And if he keeps doing that, I mean, he's going to get – a lot more accolades as he goes along here, but the shots will come because it becomes, you know, four to five and then becomes six to seven. I don't think you're all of a sudden going to want Royce O'Neal taking 13 shots um, because then I think it's, it's, that's not within what the jazz are trying to do. So I think within his role right now, whereas defensively he's going to go try to stop the best offensive player in the opposing team. And then, you know, offensively, he's going to knock down the catch and shoot. And, you know, we've seen time and time again where he's a good decision maker. And I've seen him this year with handling the basketball and not just not spotting up the shooting, but able to take it off the dribble a little bit and get into the paint and then making the pass out. So I think there is an evolution there. Um, he's gotten better. I think the Jazz found it just a tremendous piece to this team, a huge piece going forward. Um, but I guess the answer to your question, I don't think you go from five or six shots all of a sudden saying, well, if I take 16 shots a game, I'm going to average this because – there's a comfortability factor, too, as players kind of know their role. Like, I knew what I was going to do when I went into a game. If I started taking, you know, 20 shots a game, it just becomes not what I'm used to. And you're just not as comfortable in that role, if that makes sense. So when you look at this team, I think everyone will agree they're better than they were last year. And it's interesting because it's basically the same guys. I mean, yeah, Favors is the one new addition, but obviously he was with the franchise for many, many years. So as I try to boil it down, and there's various, there's several reasons as there usually are, but to me, the most important difference I see is the comfortability factor of Mike Conley that he didn't have this year that he got as, or didn't have last year, I should say, but he got better at it as the season went on. And then this year, 
picking up where he left off in terms of playing and not thinking about it, just going out and doing what he can do and fitting in. So he's not really worried about where I fit. I know where I fit. So if I look at it and boil it down to one single difference, I believe it's the play of Mike Conley. Could you respond to that? Yeah, so I, I agree with you, and I, I think there's a part two to that. Um, I, I think Conley for sure, and I think we saw it in the bubble last year where he's just started getting more comfortable, and I think he started accepting responsibility, started understanding the team and his role, and um, I, I think you're seeing that this year. We mentioned on the broadcast in the Denver game, you know, I, I feel like if you're going to start talking about all-stars, you got to throw Conley into the mix. Uh, he certainly played like it this year. At the time, the Jazz had the best record in the NBA, and if they continue to be up there or happen to have the best time, the best record, then you, you know, my argument, argument would be there should be three Jazzmen. Um, part two, what I would say would be Bogey. You know, Bogey was not in the bubble last year. So I think there's an addition to that, and the Jazz are one shot away from beating Denver in the seven-game series. So in my opinion there, I think if Jazz have Bogey, in the playoffs, in the bubble, I think you have a different outcome. Uh, and then who knows what happens going on through the playoffs. But I think you're almost getting, you know, in a sense, a, a free agent back and in bogey this year and add a weapon that they did not have in the bubble. So I think with the renewed Conley um, and then bogey back, they kind of do have a different team in a way, but yet the same. Matt Harpin joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So for all the things that have gone right, and a lot of things have gone right this year, uh, you're never playing perfect basketball. What what do you think they need to improve? You know, I, I think they just need to keep kind of avoiding the, the – I hate to say this because I'm part of it – the media. I mean, just, <laughs> just kind of put it on the back burner and, 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 and let it be noise because as they – as they get higher in the ranks here, you're going to get a lot of naysayers. You're going to get a lot more people talking about you. And, um, and I think that could be obviously poison to a team if you let it get into the locker room. And I think they need to just avoid it. I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. You know, they, they had a tough loss against Denver. Or Denver, uh, Denver played really well. You know, that's going to happen through a long season. Um, I, the Jazz are playing really good basketball right now. In, in fact, they're, they're playing a level of basketball that's, you know, A, fun to watch. I think it is sustainable because uh, they have such great shooting and they're playing unselfish. Uh, defensively, I, they can be a really good defensive team against Denver. I thought, you know, it got exposed a little bit just because uh, they shot the ball, ball so well. But it also, I think they learned that if you come out in the first half and you don't play, um, you know, with the, the thought of, hey, I'm not going to let anything be wide open. Uh, I'm going to play with a little bit of an edge. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have short closeouts. Um, and I think you saw that in the second half where, you know, it's, it's, everything's still a learning curve. So you, you learn from the game and say, we got to play 48 minutes, you know. And, and, but as far as who they are and what they're going to do, I, I think they just keep doing what they're doing. I, I think they get better at their sets. They, they get better at the recognition. Their reads are, are really good this year. And they tune out the outside. Okay, with that tuning out on the outside stuff, you were there for many, many years, so you could speak to it as far as motivational ploys because a couple of weeks ago, led by Shaq, the TNT guys basically say you're not good enough. So how much do you let that use it to be used to your advantage, or is that crap just noise and still block it all out? Yeah, I would go with the noise factor. You know, I did, I did not appreciate that uh, coming from TNT, coming from Shaq. I, I thought it was ill-advised. Um, 
you know, I, I just thought, you know, what was Shaq, 28, 29 when he first won a championship, and he's getting on Donovan at 24, um, plus coming off a game where he had 36. Uh, you know, it was just, I thought it was a low blow a little bit. A, l- a little bit, And, you know, I think Donovan handled it perfectly. Uh, you know, in, and the Jazz got to be proud of, of the character of this team. You know, from since that has happened, you're not hearing uh, anything out of social or anything really uh, in, in bad terms on the Jazz side of things. So I think they're handling it. I think uh, they have a great locker room. I think they have some good leadership in that, in that locker room. And, you know, again, noise is going to be noise. And, and I, I agree is, is, is when you get people talking about you and you have the best record in the NBA and people look at you a little bit differently than a four or five seed and they say, well, can the jazz handle this? They're going to pick you apart a little bit more. They're going to critique you and the national media will. And that's what I mean by noise. You, you just got to, cause it's going to come down to if you're in the locker room, they're going to eventually get to you and they're going to pick apart your game. And what you can't let happen is force you to get outside of your game. You, you're good on a team because of your role. And if you started getting out of that role, if Gobert starts taking, you know, five 15 foot shots a game, because people are saying he can't shoot, that's going to affect the jazz in a negative way. Uh, people just got to keep trusting uh, coach Snyder, the system and playing. And, you know, the winds are starting to rack up here and that's an, in the end, that's what speaks for itself. You know, the talent on the court doesn't change with a few exceptions with positive tests, but everything around the game has changed, right? The fans, the travel, they can't leave their room. Jo- we had Joe Ingles on, and I asked him, can you even on the road go and get shots up? If you just need half an hour in a gym, how much flexibility is there? And he's like, there are so many rules. You probably could, but it would be it would take a lot of effort. And so I'm just wondering yeah. if you're viewing this season like every other season because they're still the best basketball players in the world on the court, or if all this other stuff, this is really a weird one-off and we shouldn't compare it to anything else that NBA players have gone through in any other season, and it could produce a different result. Yeah, I mean, I have never been in a situation like this. I've never played without fans. I, I know that just in that is, is tough. Um, but on the other side, you know, everyone's in it. There's not a team that's not affected by it. So, you know, I go back to Jerry Sloan and <laughs> and kind of how he coached and Listen, everyone's involved in the same thing. So let's not make excuses on, on why we didn't shoot well or why this is not great. It is what it is. It's the pandemic. Uh, we understand. And it's not great on anyone. I mean, this has affected every single one of us in a, in a, in a bad way. Uh, so you try to make good of a bad situation. And I think um, for right now, having basketball the way it is, it's, it's not perfect. But at least you're seeing a product and at least, you know, the Jazz are out there playing um, I, I, that's always a good thing. Matt, as always, great to have you on, and we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Matt Harpering, Jazz TV analyst. You see him on the broadcast, Bowler and Thurl and Lemon and all that, and it'll be the Jazz and the Pistons tonight, 8 o'clock. It's a late game, 8 o'clock tonight, pregame at 7 o'clock here on The Zone with uh, Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe, and then uh, David Locke and Ron Boone will be along with the call at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, everything missed in this show, coming up next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Number one.
Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Eight seconds to go. Paul on the dribble. Gets around Kleba to the baseline. Now back to Booker. Right wing three. On the way. Good for Devin Booker. He canned it with one and a half seconds to go. The Suns take the one point lead. ...of the Cavaliers that set LeBron off in Cleveland. <laughs> this lady. Wow. Well, she's pointing like that one meme with the lady and the cat. <laughs> LeBron James looked at my husband during the game and cussed him out, and I stood up and I go, don't talk to my husband. Talk to my husband one more time and I will you up. And he started fighting with me. He goes, shut your mouth. I go, you shut your mouth. I'm happy fans are back in the building. I miss that interaction. I need that interaction. We as players need that interaction. I don't feel like it was warranted to be kicked out. There was a... a you know, a back and forth between two grown men. Uh, and, you know, we said our piece. He said his piece. I said my piece. And then when someone else jumped into it and, and, and said their piece. But I didn't, I didn't think they were, you know, should have been kicked out. That's LeBron James. <laughs> and if you haven't seen this video, I just, this is like Real Housewives gone horribly wrong. I just. Wait, wait. Real Housewives goes horribly wrong. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it just. I find this stuff it is so horribly wrong. not interesting. And you're I, right. The league can't brush this no, under can't. the carpet. Right. Who who said what first? Who swore first? What provoked it? And and dig into all of that. It's it's bad to have. And we've seen it here, right? If fans had their tickets revoked because of stuff they said to players. And players say this stuff happens in arenas all the time. And you certainly can't have the paying customers getting treated like this. And it's different in a pandemic because there aren't as many people around because people are spaced out. But, you know, in quote-unquote normal times, somebody else sitting there is like, this isn't why I came to game to hear this. What are we doing here? <laughs> you know? And so the, the league absolutely has to nip it in the bud. But PK, the number of people who love this and embrace it and are entertained by it, I can't get into this. But a lot of people do. I know they do. Social media went nuts. You know, she put out what she put out, and, and it got retweeted and shared all over the place. Well, if it was in Salt Lake, it would have immediately deemed racial, and we're all a bunch of racists, and we hate people who don't look exactly like us. So we've got that context. I don't know if that will develop in, uh, where was that? Uh, where was that last night? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, so I don't know that that will, will happen there. Uh, but we know in our community it does, and I'm not advocating that it shouldn't. I'm just pointing out that's that what uh, seems to happen every time here. But I, I mean, if, I'm only a fan. I'm not a player. And uh, my mindset, at no point would I ever say anything to a player, ever, ever. Just I would never, ever do it. I, I, maybe good job, great game, that was fun. Thank you for the entertainment, the, something like that. But I would never think to say that and then to, to go on social media and say, if you ever say that to my spouse, I'm going to bleep you up. And that That is not even within the realm of my thinking. I can remember one time in the early days, I was saying, talking to Honey, and I said, man, your spouse, DJ, is tough to work with. And she did say, hey, you better watch it, man, because if you say anything, I'm going to bleep you up. <laughs> 
I totally believe that. <laughs> well, you've met her, so just, you know. It, yeah, and it, I mean, I was taken aback. Like, wow, this guy's serious here. And I did step Un- back. Unlike, a of unlike you right now. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, if you're the NBA, you've got to investigate these things uh, to make sure. And I don't know. I'm not saying LeBron was in the wrong. I'm not saying he was in the right. I have no clue. Uh, but I, as uh, as a league, you don't want your players to be uh, verbally assaulting. I don't know that LeBron did. I'm not saying he did by any stretch. But you don't if you're, want if that you're the to league, happen. you don't want that happening in the front right. row between players and fans. No, especially star players. But you don't want to happen with any players. No, and and in other times when there'd be other fans around, what's their reaction? And, and if and, you have kids there, yeah, people are going to the game to have a good time right, and to see the world's best athletes do yeah. stuff nobody else can do. This doesn't look like a game down at your average gym, you know. No, not at and all. And so to That's get why... this, just what are we doing here? Yeah, it's, it's just it just don't don't have it happen and take the appropriate action. If uh, not saying what, wrong, well, whatever wrong. that is, right. if he was. Then, then send the message, but uh, you know he's been in the league for so long. Uh, I think in this regard, he certainly earned my benefit of the doubt that uh, he probably looked at them and said, "Hey, shut up." I mean, I don't know, but uh, not not have it happen. I'd rather talk about that Devin Booker shot because you talk about the world's best athletes, and and I watched that game. Uh, it was on NBA TV, and so it was fun. Two Western Conference teams, and watched. Watched the entire game, actually. It was a fun game. I got to tip my hat to Chris Paul. Didn't ever think he would be this good in the league for this long. And here he is at 35. And what did you say? He was 32-9-9 and or 32-9-8, you know something like that. I, I go beyond uh, him being this good. I don't expect any player at his size to be this good at that age. You, he is such an outlier off the charts uh, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Wow. He made 14 oh. of 20 shots from the floor. That's 70%. He only got two free throws. As soon as I heard 34 points, I thought, did he shoot 15 free throws? Did he just go James Harden? And look at the box score. Oh, he had I watched two. The game. Yeah, I, I didn't. He And he was 4 of 7 from the three-point line. Yeah. So just now, so he did have five turnovers. Um, had a couple steals. Uh, so... Hey, the, the you know they got him changed the, as much as whatever he brings physically and all that like changed the mindset. I know Chris Paul hasn't been on a champion, he hasn't been to the finals, but he's won way more than he's lost. And when you're the Suns, you've spent a decade losing way more than you win. And just to think, his presence changes the mentality, changes the expectations, and they're eleven and eight. Are they a great team? No. Are they a championship contender? No. But they're way better than they were, and they'll be an entertaining team to watch in the playoffs. And once you get to the level that you're an entertaining team to watch in the playoffs, what are you, you're probably in the top third of the league at that point. You're certainly, what, top 12 teams in the league? Yeah. Major no, improvement the, for them. Major. And the one thing that will go unnoticed to an extent, that last play, they set up uh, eight and sets an off-the-ball screen on the right, on the left, I should say, and uh, Paul's got the ball, dribbles down the right side, and the play is for Booker to come off the screen, that eight and setting on the left, and come around on a high, uh, th- uh, obviously a three-pointer, and 
Paul makes this bounce pass, and he puts it right on the money, just above the right hip, because there's not much time going on there, and allowing Booker, who is a great shooter, to catch, and everything is in fluid in one motion. If that pass is a little low, a little high, a little right, a little left, probably doesn't yeah. happen. But the bounce pass which I think, you know, it's harder to do than a regular chess pass that's in the air. It was just sensational. Little thing. And little things matter. Everything matters. And to see that play, uh, wow, that's Chris Paul. I really, and Booker will get the credit. He made the shot, as he should. But Chris Paul, man, just really, really sensational. And Grant Hill was the commentator, and he was talking about how Chris Paul, a couple years back, changed his diet and everything. That's what I think these guys have to do. We don't see it, but they have to make a commitment. And Tom Brady has talked about this. Mm -hmm. It has to literally be a 24-7 commitment, which I don't have. I want to be in shape. All right, and I'm okay, but I could be better if I made that 24-7 commitment. But I'm not going to make that 24-7 commitment. (laughs) And those guys, I think they have to in order to be able to play at that level. I mean, high, high level. Three guys I just named, Paul, LeBron, and Brady, that are defying the age Mm -hmm. factor. Eventually it'll catch up to them, but they're doing everything in their power, and they're getting the reward. It's a good lesson to send to the rest of us. If you want something bad enough, work bad enough for it. You know what you say about uh, the accuracy of the pass? Reminds me, I wish I could remember who said it, but there was a jazz player, and I think it was done you know, when Stockton was retiring and a whole series of tributes and stories, a lot of stuff was written and said, and somebody went back and talked to a bunch of teammates about you know, coming into the Stockton Mullen era. And Stockton was pretty well established and you know, pretty deep into his career, and somebody came in, you know, one of those veteran-type acquisitions, and the guy didn't know him, didn't have any personal relationship, and saw him, and Stockton just said, hey, and he says, where do you like the ball? And the guy was like, what? When you shoot, where do you like to get the pass, to get the ball? And the guy kind of mimicked with his hands, you know, his shooting motion and where you like to catch it. And Stockton nodded and turned and walked away. <laughs> and, like, in that moment, it's like where hitting a guy in rhythm is really critical, just like hitting a receiver in stride is really critical. And, uh, you know, it was Stockton sending the message, like, no BS. I don't care about anything else. I get you the ball. Be ready to shoot when I get you the ball. And we're here to win. No screwing around. And so Chris Paul's ability to do that, don't, don't underrate that. Really, really important. You know, and Booner has, an, has told awesome stories about Adrian Dantley. Like, and he, how much he, he loves Dantley personally, but on the court, he says, you'd throw him the ball in the post and he'd get doubled and you're open. And you know when he throws you the ball, <laughs> you'd get a shot and he would like flow to pass out and put just enough air under it so the defender could recover. He's like, oh, now I got to throw it to you again, don't I? Oh, great. Okay, you'll be shooting it and I got to throw it back to you. That, that ability to pass, how you pass, critical. And all the vets will tell you that. Chris Paul, 35, getting it done. Suns 11-8 and eight and battling for uh, fifth place in the West. Uh, other teams in the West uh, playing last night. The Spurs are in that battle for fifth in the West. Grizzlies beat them 133-102. to 102. And to go to the bigger question that you asked this morning, you put it up on Facebook and we got a lot of reaction, are the Jazz a really good team or are they a legit championship contender? And if you just go off the standings in the West, there's only one game from fifth, to 10th place. 
everybody's one, two, or three games over 500. They're all in that range. Now, the Nuggets are four over. They're three and a half back of the Clippers and three back of the Jazz and Lakers. So, are the Clippers, Jazz, and Lakers all legit contenders? Are the Nuggets in that group? And who in the East is in that group? And knowing you, PK, I thought you believe in who we, we both know NBA history, and there's recent examples. If you can just get out of the East, you've got a chance if the team coming out of the West isn't healthy. But figuring out who's coming out of the East, good luck with that. Right. Yeah, so your list of championship of contenders, East. your list of championship contenders is? It's the top three teams in the West, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz. Denver, um, I'm not completely in. In a month or so, I may be totally in. I'm going to allow them the opportunity to play themselves in. Not that they care what I think, but nevertheless. And then I don't know who's going to come out of the East. You know, I have my doubts about all of these teams. I don't see any of those teams being a super team. But acknowledging what you just said, whoever comes out, you're automatically a threat because of LeBron or Kawhi or whomever tweaks an ankle or, has, you know, who knows, has the flu, or in the case of Draymond Green a couple years ago, kicks somebody in the groin and gets suspended for a game, they can be a a contender. Right now it looks like Philadelphia, but I'm just not sure about Philadelphia. You know, I'm not sure about Ben Simmons. It's funny, at least my end of the deal, I'm, not, I'm biased sitting on this side in this market. You know, the Donovan-Simmons deal for Rookie of the Year was a big deal at the time. didn't really resonate with me because it's a nice award, but I don't think it has anything beyond the day you get it, and that's great. But I would think most people think Mitchell is a better player than Simmons, and so you wonder in the postseason how it's going to be. Plus, Am- Embiid is not exactly Cal Ripken here with the Iron Man streak and you know what's going to happen in the playoffs is he's going to be available. And then I've got to give Brooklyn time. You know, they made a major addition, two major additions, and then they make another major addition during the season. So expect everything to just flow naturally. I've never been one who says, "Well, you just put a bunch of guys together and away they go." It takes some level of time and maybe Brooklyn figures it out to the highest level this year. Maybe they need next year. I don't know. So those are my two teams that I would put there, and whoever it is, I put them in as a contender. But I definitely think the Jazz are a contender right now. You put that many shooters out on the floor, it's not a fluke. I get that. Well, first off, I buy that. Um, But second, I also get if there are people out there saying the Lakers are going to win it. And if they don't because they get hurt, then the Clippers are. And the rest of you are just all, all along to see how far into this you can get, how deep you can go in the playoffs. But you're not winning at all. It's one of those two. Okay, but uh, fine. But those two have issues. They're not the Warriors here. They're not Magic and Bird or MJ. Yeah. See, that's why uh, maybe I, I'm, I personally, I'm I, I told you this earlier this morning, that's why I put the Jazz, the Nuggets, and whoever comes out of the East on the list. Uh, and I think the Nuggets, and I'm probably buying in and totally acknowledging, you know, they lost three rotation guys. And I know a lot of, I, I tend to default towards Grant's as the big loss, but, you know, Plumlee's a factor and, and Harris, um, or not. Um, Craig. Uh, thank you, Craig. Um, but I really think it comes down to Grant. But I do think that when you've been to the second round game seven and the Western Conference Finals, they're making the kind of progress the teams make 
on the way to winning the championship historically. And Jokic is that level of player. It won't shock me if he gets there, everything he's shown us. So I guess while you're waiting for a month to play them into the group, I'm waiting for them to really play themselves out. I, I think they're in until they play themselves out as far as being a contender. But I think in a list of contenders, there's also a favorite. I think the Lakers are huge favorites in this deal. All right, DJ and PK, that's the stuff we've been talking about this morning. When we come back, your reaction coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Yo, PK, nobody loves Jerry Rice, Steve Young, and Joe Montana more than me. And Dwight Clark in there, too. Nobody. Nobody. But really? That's who you're going to reference in 2021? There's been a ton of quarterback receivers since then, dude. Come on. Yeah, PK, that pass by Chris Ball, I'll tell you what, Koozie of the Celtics could have made that pass, I think, but, well, the, the pass was like something from Johnny Unitas. It was fantastic. It's not the three-pointers by Joker he would blame. Here's what Jay Slow would say about the Denver game. If he bleeping goes off, don't just bleep and stare. Bleep and deck him, break his rhythm, act like you care. Yeah, bleep and break his rhythm. <laughs> nice. Good work, Kay. Montana Young Rice can no longer be mentioned, PK. They've well, been I th- banned. I thought that was the community here. Young. The 20th century, though. Hey, you can reference those guys all you want. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I thought that the Niners, and I could be wrong on this. They still resonate. But I thought in the 90s, the Niners were the favorite team of the community. I would say that of the time I'd been here, that's the most popular NFL team there's ever been in the window I've been here. I don't know about before, but since I've been here, I don't think any team created as much passion. And it was Steve Young. Yeah, well, it right. was Steve Young combined with the Niners' excellence. You know, he went to an organization that already had it going, and they kept it going. You know, and he came back here. He loved being back here. He came back for skiing. He came back for golf trips. He tried to keep the skiing stuff on the down low. And, uh, shh, don't tell anybody. That would never happen with social media now. That was a different era. You could kind of sort of keep that. I got to believe they knew and just, you know, didn't want to make a big deal Yeah, so that's, that was my reference. But if you want uh, Mike Evans, Tom Brady. Oh, wait a second. Tom Brady's old. If you want... Uh, uh, Stephon Diggs or Jeff, uh, Josh Allen, is that, is that better? You know, the thing that's changed in the NFL and why some of that stuff resonates from the 90s better, even though it was the West Coast offense and they were starting to shorten the passing game, we really have seen the passing game shortened to minimize the pass rush and to keep quarterbacks healthy. And so the, the accuracy isn't as amazing because they're throwing so many short routes. See, if I was going to go my day, I'd go Bob Wakefield. Oh, you would not. Bob Wakefield. You never saw Bob Wakefield play. I couldn't. I know the name. I couldn't pick out a photo of Bob Wakefield. And he put like uh, 10 old quarterbacks up there. I'd go Burt Jones to John Mackey. (laughs) If I was going my day. Don Meredith to Bob Hayes. If I was going my day. Uh, you know, uh, that's who, that's who Bart starred, uh, some white guy in Green Bay. I don't know. Boy Dowling, Max McGee. <laughs> okay. All right. Max McGee. Yeah. If you say so, I'll, I'll trust you on that one. 
uh, Daryl LaMonica to, I don't know, who did he throw deep to? Uh, Warren Wells. I don't know. Warren Wells? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing now. <laughs> I've never heard of Warren Wells, but uh, I'll go on that one. But, uh, yeah, my bad for who well, I thought I was going the the popular of the community. I don't really have an NFL team, so I can't uh, I can't recite. Well, that. neither neither does favorite. the town now. You know, when you look at the games that were pumped in here by the NFL, there's like five teams, I think, that were on TV here 12 times in 16 weeks. You know, we got we got the Bucks, we got the Chiefs, we got the Raiders, we got the Broncos. And I'm trying to leave. I think the Packers were 11. I, I Kyler saw. Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> we didn't see. Yeah, I know more about often. today's NFL than I do in a good while because I had the ticket this year. Yeah, yeah, that got you dialed in. Yeah, in fact, my wife brought it up. She told me she says, you know, we had the ticket, but I didn't feel like I used it enough. I want to use it more next year. And I thought, oh crap, that means I'm going to have to buy it. <laughs> no, you just gotta. You gotta. What you have to do is between now and the start of the next NFL season, you have to wait for something to get screwed up that you can complain about it, and then see if they'll cop you. Or you just call in and try to cancel in like June. My wife told me one of her Doll Walker friends uh, got tired of paying all that much for direct and switched. And she said, since since went to dish or whatever, and since he switched switched that uh, direct has been bugging him to come back and giving him all these things saying we'll give you this and this and this and he's like well, why don't you tell me when i called to cancel then i wouldn't have canceled so now he doesn't want to know if he wants to go through the hassle of oh, canceling yeah. and having him reestablish and blah 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 so we'll have to come up with something because the nfl ticket was a lot of fun this year i got to admit and uh, and i would like to have it again if the Jazz can have the best record in the West, J- Jason says, and I'd have to face both L.A. teams in the playoffs, I think they have a chance of being a title contender. So you got to backdoor whoa, it a little whoa, bit. Oh, man, if you have the best record and you've got a chance? <laughs> right. That doesn't make any sense. If you've got the best record okay. in the league, you should automatically have a minimum a chance. Did you think Atlanta was a legit title contender when they had their 60-win team? I don't give a crap about the no, East. No, come on. I told you a thousand times over, I'm just talking about the West. I don't remember who was good, who was bad in the East that year, so I can't answer that. I'd have to go back and research. But you want to bring a up of the West in the last 25, 30 years, and it's going to come to my mind immediately. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.